Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. As we sit down to record this, listeners, Willian has put Fulham 1-0 up against Chelsea. And can I just shock you? I like Willian. Despite what I said earlier, I think he's in the top nine players in the world. Welcome to the Anglo-Italian pod. As always, my name is Rory and I'm joined by my very good friend, Adam. Rory, it's been a blast these last few days, but more importantly, mate, how are you? I am good. The first week at work, my first week back at work and I am absolutely dead. I was saying by the second week of holiday... I finally felt like I was on holiday. Right. And then okay, you're back yeah. into work. And it's yeah. just been like relentless this week. So, yeah, really good. Work's been heavy. Bad time to try and stop drinking. So, I'm doing dry January. <laughs> doing dry January. I've decided the next drink um, I'm going to have is going to be for the missus's birthday on the 17th of February. So, I've got a bit of a stretch. But I thought about doing this and agreed to do it before I started work again. And now I've started okay, work. I finished work today and I was like, Christ alive, I need a beer. <laughs> so I think it's going to taste extra sweet in February when I finally get there. And hopefully nice. my beer belly will have dissipated a little bit. We will see. Um, but how are you doing, mate? I'm good, thank you. I had my first kickabout of the year yesterday. Nice. Um, so I'm definitely feeling them today. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I has to be said, I got one of those massage guns that really did help me a bit. Wow. I was feeling it this morning. But uh, that said, uh, it wasn't a bad performance, but you could definitely tell my touch was all over the place. <laughs> it was <laughs> those one first moment of messy, and then the rest of it was Chegos <laughs> Rasiak. It was all over the place, basically. So, uh, no, yeah. it's good to get in full throw. But more importantly, Rory, we have some fantastic football to talk about as well, haven't we? We definitely do. We have a lot of football. I feel like these cups, the cups that bring in, yeah. bring in the noise, bring in the fun, our favourite competition, Coppa Italia, that we often say is ignored. We're going to actually not ignore it this time and give it a bit <laughs> of attention. We're going to talk a lot of Coppa Italia because there was a few shocks. There was yes. a shock, um, a close run tie, and there was yeah. a lot of drama. I feel like this was a really big week for the Coppa Italia. So we're going to talk Coppa Italia. We're going to talk uh, EFL Cup, Carabao mm. Cup, Worthington Cup, Carling Cup, whatever you know it as, Milk Cup. Uh, in the 80s <laughs> we're going to talk that um four interesting teams in the court in the semi-finals um all with interesting kind of narratives heading towards the final so that has been a lot of fun then of course we're going to give you the preview of the weekend and we're going to do a little bit of transfer nonsense a little bit of transfer <laughs> gossip see who's gone where and who could be going okay. where yeah um, but first i want to take the spotlight a little bit Oh, actually, give the spotlight to someone who I think has deserved it more this season and has finally got it. Viewers will be able to see that I'm repping it for him. Listeners, I'm wearing my Norway shirt. Martin Erdegaard is voted Premier League uh, Player of the Month, and I honestly couldn't think of a player who deserves it more. Rashford, possibly, 
but I'm going to say Erdegaard. Um, I think he's been unbelievable this season in general. Mm-hmm. I think even in the games where we've not been great, he's been key to everything we've done. Um, it still blows my mind that we only paid 30 million for him. I could not thank Fiorentino Perez enough for that because he could have, <laughs> he could have tripled that and we still would have got value for money. Um, I think he, it, it's a player that now a lot of people in the Premier League are starting to see how good he is and how key mm-hmm. he is to us. Um, and I just want to give him his flowers really and just be like, Martin, you've worked so hard for this team all season. You've been outstanding and you've got your like individual reward for it. I know that's not what he wants. He's focused <laughs> on something else. But I think even with the type of player he is, he's a very skillful, flary, technical, mm. beautiful passer. Well, just beautiful passer. But he also absolutely runs his bollocks off and does not stop. Yeah, I think he's like the biggest presser in our team. Like he is just, you can tell I'm a little bit in love with him and I'm just glad that he's got his player of the month award and I'm going to kind of throw it out there. Um, Maybe we can put it on Twitter as well. Does he have a shout if he continues like this and if Arsenal continue like this, two pretty big caveats, does he have a shout to get Premier League player of the season? Because I think he could be in the conversation if... If if we and he continue to do this way, like play this way, I, I mean, certainly performance wise, he's been up there and definitely deserves a shout out. I think, um, but my one caveat would be that he's not been consistent enough during mm-hmm. the whole season. Okay, granted, though, this like the season is a marathon, therefore not a sprint, etc., mm-hmm. and it does take time. I think with Odegaard, what I would say is there's times where he's maybe overdoing it over yeah, yeah. like doing it and i think that comes with the maturity aspect so he is still young i can't believe yeah. we can like kind of look at him and say he's been about for a long time in terms <laughs> yeah. of footballing aspect but yeah he's still quite young so yeah. i think give him another season or two and you could see even better out of him dare mm-hmm. i say it i think there's definitely shouts for him to be lauded up um I don't know. At this stage, I'm still undecided on my player of the season, mm-hmm. but I would say Odegaard, just because he's annoyed me on fantasy football, that's why I'm not going to say right, right, now, of the season. There you the go. That's the real out. reason. It comes out now. <laughs> that's why. <laughs> no, that's absolutely fair. I think uh, so far, I think if there's going to be... Oh, well, I'm so biased. I'm not going to give my opinion, but I think if there's a player of the season so far, one it has to come from Arsenal at the moment because we've been the best team in the se- of the season so far. You can look at the table to prove it. Um, but before I get too full of hubris ahead of North London Derby weekend, I'm going <laughs> to let you cut me off, Adam. Um, and yes. we're going to talk about two players who have kind of sh- restored the love of the game. Yeah, I, I think there's a really nice nostalgic story about both of them, but I'm going to talk about the first one, which is linked to Serie mm-hmm. A, B, technically B right now. Yeah. And that is Genoa. Uh, in particular, we're talking about Domenico Mimo Crescito. Yes. Um, so he has come back from retirement, believe it or not. He decided when he made that move to Toronto, he finished his career down there. In November, he announces a retirement. And uh, Genoa were a bit short on players. And um, it's been announced, obviously, during the kind of Christmas window that he would come back. Um, But the nice story about it is he's not asking for a lot of wages either Mm -hmm. in return. So it's reported at €2,274 for the month, which, you know, is the bare minimum, apparently, Mm -hmm. that they have to pay a player. 
and Crescito is just coming in to do a job. So he's back at the club for the fourth time, believe it or not. So, I mean, such a beautiful story. When I saw it, it was just like heart melts, you know, you kind of, I remember the time when Steve Guppy came back to Wickham and it was just like, oh, I love that. Even though he was like 36 years old, he couldn't run. But he had that bit of quality. And that's what Crescito is. He's just someone that they love. They adore him for what he is. And he is their baby, as Mimo mm-hmm. translates into Italian. So, uh, no. yeah, I mean, it's beautiful. But, yeah, when you saw this story, Roy, what did you think? I, I love I love Crescito. I think he's like, I think he's been like from wing back. He's been Genoa's top scorer for a few seasons. <laughs> like Because he's really good from the penalty spot. Really good from the penalty yeah. spot. Um, and he's someone that's like, yeah, an icon of that team, an yeah. icon of that club. Um, and it's just a nice story. I think Genoa are kind of pushing in Serie B. They're starting to look like they're a little bit, I think they were around, last time I checked, they were around the playoffs and they were kind of doing mm, okay. Yeah. Um, so I think it could be something that just gives them that little bit of the boost. If they can get themselves straight back up into Serie A, then that's massive. Because as mm. we saw, they were bought out last year. They do have new owners. Yes, um, they were, yeah. So there's definitely a bit of a rebirth going on there. It's easy to forget they are the oldest club in Italy. Um, they are one of the most historical clubs in Italy. So it would be great to see them back in Serie A and back where they belong. And hopefully with Crescito in his in their ranks. If Tommy was here, he would tell us that he used to always buy him in Fanta Calcio because <laughs> he used to score so many penalties. He just always yeah. played him every single time. Um, absolutely great player. But the other player we wanted to talk about, and we're going away from the Italian-English shores, is Arsenal legend Lucas Perez. Um, mm. So there is a link. There is a link. This is, um, <laughs> you would have seen it, but I just love this story. He paid £500,000 to pay out his contract mm. so that he could go down and help his home his hometown club, Deportivo yes. La Coruña, who are in the third division. Yeah, right? Mad. Can you? I, I remember them being Champions League semi finalists with um, yeah. Walter Pandiani <clears throat> and Roy McKay. Yeah, like they had in they were that, big names they, they beat Manchester big United I want to say in the Champions I, League few, I think um, Juventus was one of the yeah. fools as well yeah yeah, so yeah, they, yeah. they, they had were classic games in they were a huge yeah. team and I loved that Champions League side so it's awful that they're in the third division but Lucas Perez has gone down paid out his contracts so we can go mm. and help him and I think he scored in his first game so it has been a bit of a fairy tale return if he can get them back up into La Seconda, and maybe, who knows, into La Liga. I think there'll be a statue of him in La Coruña before long. Um, (laughs) But I love, love that story, and these footballers that make us kind of remember that, well, it's just the love of the game. It's beautiful, right? Yeah, definitely. We we all love those sentimental moments, and this just tops it off for me. So the fact that he bought himself out of the contract just says how much he loves being there. And um, yeah, fair play, because he's dropped the levels as well. He's from Kadish to La Coruña, basically. Yeah. So I think he's going to end up like... smashing it. Like he's, I think at Arsenal, he actually didn't get an opportunity. I felt like he kind of got no, five games really. and scored a goal. And I was like, oh, should we see more of this guy? And it just never really happened. So yeah. I hope it goes well for him. Um, I hope it goes well for La Coruña and the same for Genoa. Guys, we are going to go into the main show now, right after this. My name is David Artel, and you're listening to the Anglo-Italian pod. And here we are. It's time for the Cup Cups action as we have Coppa Italia and EFL Milk Worthington Carling Carabao Cup action. All of the above. All of of those drinks are available in a shop (laughs) near you. Um, 
we're going to start with the Drinks Cup and we're going to start in England with a little bit of drama. Okay. It kind of, I think, some intriguing games. And as we said, yeah. I'm going to kind of give a bit of credit to AFC Finners on this one. He made a very good point about all the four teams in the semi-finals and what this could mean to them. So mm. you could have Newcastle winning their first trophy since 1969. Southampton could win their first trophy since 1976. Forest could win their first trophy since Clough. Or, or... The one I don't want to happen, United could end their trophy drought. Incredible. Um, So, what do we think? Who do we want to win it? Who do we think is going to win it? And then we'll go into the semi-finals. So, everyone's talking up Man United at the moment just because Mm -hmm. they are deemed as the stronger side. But I think there's a side to Man United that, you know, they've got their moments where they could slip up now. Looking at the ties, obviously, you've got Southampton versus Newcastle in one of the semifinals. And then in the other, you have Man United taking on, uh, what is it, Nottingham Forest. So it, it does seem like it's a easy path, shall we say, to the finals. Um but I'm just hoping secretly it's one of Southampton or Newcastle. I don't know about you, but it just feels like that could be a hell of a story, especially for Nathan Jones, who have been most people have been slagging off recently. And he's got two wins on the bounce now. He seems like he's probably just trying to get a grip of this squad. Um, I think James Ward-Prowse said it nicely when he said that he's brought something different to the team. So there doesn't seem to be a lot that could be got away with uh, with Nathan Jones as opposed to Hassan Hootel. So, you know, it mm-hmm. sounds like he's trying to get a bit of a buy-in with the team. He's already made, made two signings already. Whether they're his is another question. But yeah, I mean, at this stage, it seems like he's already changing the tide. So that might help them in their momentum to stay up in the league. Um, yeah, unfortunately, it does look like Man United, though, Rory. Um, what are you thinking? I think... Um... I think if you look at the, the how the teams have performed this season, I still put Newcastle ahead of them. I know I don't like United, but I still think Newcastle have been better this year. Newcastle mm. have been more consistent this year. And I think Newcastle have done better in big matches than United this year. So I yeah. think, um, obviously, United beat Arsenal. So fair play, that's one. Um, <laughs> but I think... I think that Newcastle, I put them as the slight, slight favourites. But I think it genuinely, I wouldn't be surprised like any of them could win it. That's what's great. I think it's all fairly even. United are obviously on a great run of form at the minute. Yeah. Rashford is scoring every game. So it's it does feel like now, now it mm. feels like they're the favourites. But when the semi-finals come along and when the final comes along, I don't know what form United are going to be in. I don't know what state United are going to be in. Whereas I think with Newcastle, I can kind of predict what level they're going to be at. They seem mm. just more consistent. So I think that, for me, is why I put them slightly ahead of them. Um, but we'll start with Southampton because that is the story of the round, without yeah. a doubt. Um how did they beat Manchester City that <laughs> we've talked about Nathan Jones? He's a manager mm. who kind of confuses me a bit because at Stoke, <laughs> at Stoke, he looked like he was way out of his depth and yeah. was on the verge of crying a lot of the time. <laughs> and then at Luton, he massively overachieves on the smallest yeah. budget in the division, gets them into the playoffs, like incredible, incredible achievement. And I just can't get a grip of him as a manager. But like mm. you said, with City, it feels like he's, 
starting to implement with Southampton. Sorry, it feels like he's starting to implement a bit of a system. Yeah, and they were playing some exciting, quick, fluid yeah. counter-attacking football, like cutting Southampton, uh, cutting City apart. And the two mm-hmm. goals were beautiful. Like, how how did yeah. they win this one? I think there was a combination of maybe Man City maybe didn't anticipate Southampton to do what they did. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly in the second half, they did seem like they were a bit more trying to go through a bit more directly with their play. Um, but the element of it was Southampton's goals were really good as well. Like, obviously, Gennepro's goal was incredible. Like, just a, there's a bit of, like, fortuitous aspect to it in the sense that he kind of lobbed the goalkeeper Alvarez, wasn't it, in goal mm-hmm. for Man City. I am just double-checking. I have quoted the right goalkeeper. It's Ortega even, sorry. Um, Ortega, yeah, sorry. But um, apart from that, though, like, City were a bit sloppy on the ball at times, um, reliant on the likes of De Bruyne to really inspire them. There was even moments where, you know, Grealish was lashing out at, you know, Southampton players, which you don't normally see him get wound up, mm-hmm. but he was clearly wound up on this occasion. And I think they just lost their heads. I mean, Haaland had to be brought off the bench, um, as did a number of their players. They did carve out a few opportunities. Gundogan, for example, crossing in to Alvarez, who, if it was Haaland, I'm sure he would get a better connection on the ball. Um, But even when Haaland did get his chances, they were kind of half chances. You know, Southampton's defence did really well. They did a solid job. Um, I just want to call out the performance of Kaletikar. Um, Kaletikar, who not a lot of people would have known from, but he had a superb match, marshalled that defence alongside Salisu. We know Salisu has his moments, but yeah, he was also quite strong in that defensive lineup for Southampton. And it just felt like Southampton had a, a plan. They executed it really mm-hmm. well. Pep got undone. It was just the lack of like know-how. They just didn't mm-hmm. know. They didn't seem to have a clue. And, you know, fair play to Southampton. I didn't expect that performance potentially. Uh, I thought mm-hmm. they would maybe struggle in this match. Um, but also maybe it's telltale signs of Man City. You know, got a few players that are coming back from World Cups, maybe a bit of fatigue like setting in now. Maybe they need something that's going to boost them a bit and potentially it might need to rotate their squads a bit more. So it's mm-hmm. interesting because obviously we're thinking now, right now, that's the Cups. You've got Champions League still. You've got this kind of push on Arsenal at the moment. So it might kind of work in Arsenal's favour at the moment. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I like, like, uh, we yeah, all, all of Arsenal Twitter, that. all of Arsenal Twitter was like, for God's sake, Southampton, just let him go through. <laughs> just let him go through. <laughs> we we need City to have a two-legged semi-final. We need them to have that. Yeah. Like it's kind of annoying that they've gone out. Um, but I think taken away from the like getting away from the tight mm-hmm. race and all that i actually want to give southampton like their their plaudits because i think yeah this is a squad that's like a really young squad what they did is they mm-hmm. went and bought out a load they went and bought a load of children this summer yeah. and then they've been very short-sighted with the manager and gone why haven't why isn't it working, why is right, it not working? right and you're like well you did sign just 18 and 19 year olds like i don't know what you were expecting yeah exactly um so it's a really exciting squad there's a lot of quality there um, I don't know if they're going to have enough to stay up, but um, I think at times it's a very exciting team to watch and there is mm. a lot of ability there. So this is like them on a good day 
with City yes. on a bad day, this is what they're capable of. So I think it's a moment that could really ignite their season and could see mm, them maybe definitely. make a bit of a push up the table. Because that is like, this is what the Cups are good for, right? It's a yeah. good distraction for the, for the team's battling relegation. It's a good kind of like, right, forget about that now, just play your football. But then it can be used for momentum. So I think mm. it could be a, it could be a huge result. Um, for City, I really hope it's the start of a blip. Um, I really hope it's the start of like, you know, in fighting and everything, but I honestly just think it was a bit of a bad day at the office. Calvin Phillips wasn't match fit, and you could kind of see it. Um, I think you're right with the the rotating more because I think when you yeah. rotate occasionally, the players you rotate with aren't match fit, um, and mm. that's what we kind of saw there. But incredible result for Southampton. They'll be playing Newcastle in the semi-final in the Alan Shearer derby, um, and we need to talk about <laughs> Newcastle. Um, yeah. No matter how... The Newcastle fans celebrated. Nobody celebrated quite like Joe Linton. <laughs> Arrested this morning for drink driving. That is how you celebrate getting into a semi-final. Um, you're not in Brazil anymore, son. You will get caught for it. Um, Newcastle, 2-0. Goals from Joe Linton and Dan Byrne. Dan Byrne um, delighting us all with a TikTok dance, is it? I don't know. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's certainly a new craze, isn't it? The Dan okay. Byrne craze. Um, <laughs> certainly, yeah, every video that I've seen of Newcastle fans have been just doing that or trying to imitate it at least. I think, yeah, they haven't, some of them haven't really understood what he was trying to do. And it's very, it's kind of very simple. All you have to do is put your two legs together and just be a bit more. You can do it on camera now if you want, Adam. You can do it well, on camera now if you want. I'll, I'll do it another time. I'll do it another time. Um, maybe after a few beers. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there you go. I'll be a bit more fluid then. Um, but yeah, they <laughs> played to Newcastle. I think they took advantage of a very poor, it has to be said, lesser side. Oh. Defensively, absolutely oh. shocking. I mean, how easy was some of those goals? Um, mm -hmm. Dan Burns in particular, just header, just like incredible. But yeah, Leicester, I, I don't know what to make of Leicester this they're season. They're so in I trouble. Just, they're in they're so they, they do these moments where they yo-yo up and down, don't they? They just there's no consistency to them, and I, I don't know. I just I do fear for Rogers. I think his time might be coming to an end. That said, it seems like they're being linked with loads of signings at the moment, so maybe that will spearhead their rest of their campaign. Um, but yeah, very straightforward win. Um, something for Eddie Howe to be proud about as yeah. well. You know, well, I getting think... into semi-finals is such a big thing feat for him in particular. I mean, he's had a lot of plaudits for this season, but mm -hmm. to get a club of that size into that stage, I think you have to hand it to him. And he has to hope now that he can build on it. So make this as not just a one-off. He carries on building on it, but yeah. What What was your thoughts on this particular matchup? Yeah, I think because we kind of we talked about it on Monday about how they kind of missed an opportunity in the FA Cup, and mm. they did still miss an opportunity in the FA Cup. But this is also an opportunity in the League Cup, and I think Newcastle mm. fans, if you ask them which trophy would you want, FA Cup or League Cup, I don't know if they'd be they'd say either. If you know what I mean, yeah. and we, they yeah. would take a cup. If you know what I mean, I think, and that's not being disparaging to Newcastle fans. I just think all of these teams that go on and win a lot of things start with a trophy. And usually mm. it's a League Cup. It's a Europa League. It's a trophy that is kind of diminished in some people's yeah. eyes, but it's still for the team, that thing of, look, we can win something. We have won something. We're able to do this. Now let's push on. So I think it mm. is a big opportunity for Newcastle. Like I said, I think on their day, if it's a Newcastle United, if it's a Newcastle-Manchester United final, um, 
I think they could win that. So I think yeah. this is a huge, huge opportunity for them. Um, and despite all the background stuff, I would be very happy for Newcastle fans to see them celebrate their team win something, even ignoring everything behind it. I would think it would just be nice for Newcastle fans. So I hope they yeah. do it. Um, but elsewhere, we did have Nottingham. I'm going to go Nottingham Forest uh, okay. against yeah. Wolves. A weird... Um, the first of the social media derbies. Um, it feels like oh, these wow, two okay. teams are really starting to get a little bit of beef. So obviously, we'll take you back to the beginning of the season where, uh, now let me get this right, Nottingham, Nottingham Forest. Forest put up the post with the little puppy dog saying playtime. And then yeah. Wolves won, so they put up the picture with the axe in the tree. Forest. And it yeah. said Knott's Forest in the background as an extra little <laughs> dig. Well, now Nottingham Nottingham Forest have come out yeah. swinging and have got put a picture of their former player, Morgan Gibbs-White, um, playing with the little puppies, and it says playtime's over. And it's a really beautiful little <laughs> shot across the bows on social media. Now, what I did notice about this game, um, not a lot of football, really. The football was fine. There were <laughs> yeah. some good saves from Dean Henderson. Um Bolly didn't celebrate, but mm. he was the one player who didn't wind anyone up. What I saw throughout the game was just loads of players winding up the opposition fans, which I love. Yeah. In the penalty shootout, they were it was either X Wolves players giving it to the Forest fans or X Forest players giving it to the Wolves fans. <laughs> yeah. It seemed like there was quite a bit of crossover in the squads, and I hadn't noticed until I saw it. So a really like antagonistic game, which you love. Um, mm. And you could see that just the game meant so much to those fans, right? Both of the, both sets of fans would have loved to see their team in the mm. semi-finals. Before we get onto Forest, I do want to say I think Lopetegui is actually getting. We're seeing yeah. signs from Wolves now. We're definitely seeing signs. Yeah. Um, Jimenez gets his goal. It was a tap in, but I think Jimenez getting a goal is a great thing for him mm -hmm. and for Wolves. Um, and it seemed like they're really starting to play exciting football again a lot of the moves they were making i was like oh this is wolves this yeah. is what i'm used to seeing not the kind of dross that we saw towards the end of bruno large and under crew alexandra legend steve davis <laughs> but now it does feel like lopetegui appointing him before the world cup was fucking brilliant because yeah. he's obviously had so much time to work with that team like have you seen improvement in them yeah, definitely. I think there's signs of improvement. I think the earliest indication I saw of this was when Lopetegui was kind of announced to the club. There's a scene, I don't know if you've seen it on social media, where Adama Traore is like kind of training in the background and he calls him over and says, like, how are you doing, son? And like, you could sense that his like confidence is really low. Obviously, he's come off that loan spell at Barcelona. He's back at Wolves. No one seems to love him at the moment. Yeah, like, yeah, no one yeah. seems to know what to do with him. But he's like, you know, Dory, we'll sort it out. We'll get the best out of you soon. And I, I get the sense that he's going to work with that squad, but he's also going to add and attract players. I think that's the key for Wolves is yeah. he's going to attract players. Um, obviously, they've got George Mendes, who's the main kind of pinnacle in terms of bringing these Portuguese youngsters yeah. slash players into that squad. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, yeah, if you think about the caliber, I think Lopetegui is a fantastic manager to have. You think about it, about only a few years ago, he was, what, Spain and also Real Madrid like yeah, managers. Yeah. Mental to think that they can attract that kind of quality mm -hmm. manager to their team. And yeah, I mean, there's certainly more confidence in that Wolves team from what we saw at the beginning of the season. Mm -hmm. I think that that's very telling. But yeah, obviously it didn't turn out for this match. And uh, yeah, 
obviously another season to uh, kind of dwell on cup competitions. But mm-hmm. yeah, definitely for the confidence for the league, they are building something right now. Yeah. I think we're just seeing a lot more intent from them and a lot more direction, a lot more idea. And I think Lopetegui is a weird one because I've always heard how great he is. Now, obviously, I don't watch a lot of Spanish football, but then the only thing I know about him is that he walked out on Spain the day before the World Cup to join <laughs> yeah. Real Madrid, wasn't very good at Real Madrid, and then his Sevilla side were terrible. And I was like, yeah. oh, is this guy any good? But... Uh, I don't know. I haven't watched much La Liga. So I think seeing the improvement in the Wolves team, I'm like, okay, they've got a serious manager. I think they've Mm. got a serious manager. For Wolves, Steve Cooper, bloody hell, what a job he is doing. Um, I think, look, they are still in, they're still kind of down there. (laughs) They're definitely not out of trouble. Um, But they're definitely not what you, you wouldn't, if someone said to you, say the worst teams in the Premier League this season, I don't think they would be the first teams that that came to your mind. Um, okay, first three teams, yeah. worst teams in the Premier League this year. For worst teams in the Premier League this year? Oh. Yeah. Um, well, it's, Forrest was to begin with, right? I think I, think I know my big... three now, I think. but Do you? Um, I don't know. I just think there's too many clubs that are being brought into it. I think there's going to be quite a mixture going into it. Go on, you say yours. And I'll I think if someone asked it. me who have the worst three teams been this season, I would say Leicester, Everton and Southampton. I would say have been the three that have just been like, they are awful. Yeah, I think just... Yeah, I agree with you on Leicester. Everton, definitely. I almost want to say West Ham. Because I think so cool. that's not a bad shout to be fair. I want to say them, shout. but I know Southampton have been worse than them technically yeah. based on yeah, results yeah. anyway. But West Ham have been very poor, like yeah, for the yeah, player yeah. quality. This reminds me of that West Ham squad that shouldn't have got relegated. They mm-hmm. had to bring in Trevor Brooking, he almost saved them, but it wasn't when they enough. had Defoe and yeah. all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. was still there. It almost has a ring of yeah. that now. They have to be really careful and. I don't know, does Moy stay in the role? But let, let's stick with EFL but, for that. Yeah, but my point is, sorry, yeah. that Forest aren't the first team that you think of yeah. as the worst team in this the Premier League. True. And everyone was expecting to finish 20th, yeah. right? Everyone was expecting to finish bottom. But I think what Steve Cooper's done, we've talked about it, they brought in 100 players and he's finally yeah. found 11 that are working. And they're going to bring more in in January because why not? But I and I think what is it? He is, I think he's an incredible manager. I think he's going to be like the next English manager that people are talking like about, like they were Graham Potter before he accepted the Chelsea job. I think he's like the next exciting English coach. People have known about him for a long time, obviously, did great things at Swansea everywhere he's been. He's done an incredible job, and I think now he's, I'm just really impressed with his Forest team. I think they're really getting quite hard to beat they're just getting mm. hard to beat and they don't play cynical like um ugly physical football they try and play football as well like yeah um yeah how do you think forest into semi-finals fantastic um yes. how much of an improvement have we seen we've seen i think over the last few weeks as just a transition. So it feels like Steve Cooper knows his players now a lot better. They've had obviously the break from the World Cup. Um, It's interesting that we've got rumours of Dennis potentially going already, you know, so he probably will end up going to Olympiacos, their sister club probably at some point, which is weird to say. Um, But yeah, yeah, it does feel like he's starting to realise that 
there's certain players in that squad that will add quality, you know, the likes of Freyla, who they brought in from Atalanta, for example. He's had some really good games. But even like those players that they thought would do well at the beginning of the season, they're not kind of there as much now. And I think mm-hmm. he's just getting the right mixture, the team that is playing consistently. I don't think, I don't know, I haven't really seen the squads for the last few games, but it certainly doesn't feel like he's rotated with that no. team as much no. now. So it feels there's a bit more consistency, a bit more of a balance. And for once, you know, you're starting to see maybe a goal threat, which I think was the kind of big thing that they missed. Um, Equally at the back, they seem a bit more solid. So, I mean, this is a problem I would say is arguably some of the games that they could have got points, they should have won early in the season. So it Mm -hmm. does put a lot of pressure on the big games, you know, against the bigger teams to get results now. But that said, you know, football's football. It will kind of have twists and turns. You never know. One team that is supposedly doing well, like your Spurs, will probably mm-hmm. screw up. So that yeah, will yeah, please yeah. you more importantly, Rory. And uh, yes, Nottingham Forest fans might stay in the Premier League. I still hope, personally, that they do and give yeah. Cooper a chance anyway. But yeah, no, exactly. achievement. I- yeah, I hope they do stay up. And I have to say, Morgan Gibbs-White has actually been a very good signing. Yeah. Um, I still think they overpaid. But yes. <laughs> if he keeps them in the Premier League, then they've not overpaid. If he keeps exactly. them in the Premier League, they've paid yeah. exactly what he's worth because he would have paid it off. I think like it has been an incredible signing for them. Um, fair play. I didn't know that much about him before he mm. went there. Um, we do need to finish with Manchester United, Charlton. And Rashford continues. He's now scored in six consecutive games for United as they have won six consecutive games. He is in the form of his life. Um, Mm. It's beautiful to see Um, him playing with confidence and a smile again. And you're like, oh, we've got Marcus back. It's beautiful. Charlton, they put up a good fight. They really put up a good fight. It was 1-0 for a very long time. Rashford's goals came in the 90th and 94th minute um, as Charlton were definitely tiring and the game was getting away Mm. from them. The fourth, the third goal was definitely like just, oh God, can you finish yet, please? Like (laughs) it was a bit giving up. Um, But for Manchester United into a semi-final, incredible. um, Good start for Eric Ten Hag. Um, If he starts off with a trophy like this, (laughs) it's definitely... Oh God, I really hope he doesn't because the narrative is going to be unbearable. But uh, Andy will be unbearable as well. No, <laughs> I know, I know. I have seen, uh, I know Twitter's full of people trying to get reactions, but here's a reaction. Um, the a United fan saying that United could win the Premier League, FA Cup, Carabao Cup and Europa League because they're the only team still in all four. And the one today that really nearly made me dash my phone out the window was <laughs> the... the Marcus Rashford's current form is better than any form of Thierry Henry. And I just, oh, I was like, I know, God. I know. Who is that, that from Goldbridge or something like yeah, that? I, I don't even know who it was. It was one of those United fan accounts. I was like, right. I know this is bait. I know it's bait. I know it's bait. I know it's bait. God, I'm angry. It really annoyed me. So I know if they win from it, the, the narrative will be unbearable. But I think my personal vendettas aside, <laughs> I think Eric Ten Hag, for him to get a trophy in his first season... Um, the first possible trophy in his first season would be a genuine statement and it would show how much improvement. We know there's been so much improvement in United since that 4-0 battering at Brentford. The improvement has been unbelievable. Um, Players like Anthony 
Um, getting performances out of players like Dallow, who looked like they were lost, getting Luke Shaw to yeah. be consistent again, getting him back to Luke Shaw. Um, Harry Maguire seems to slowly be building his confidence again. No rickets, just mm. kind of steady performances here and there. You can play in yeah. the Cups, you can do this. Managing that situation really, really well, I think. Yeah. Um, but the biggest surprise for me from this game was Fred can take free kicks. He hit the post <laughs> with an incredible free kick. I thought, God... It, I hope Fred doesn't score a free kick against us. Whoever he scores a free kick against, that's going to be a meme for the next three years. Just it might a warning, be this weekend. Right? It might be against. It City. might be this weekend. I, I, maybe he was like getting his range in, practicing like maybe. like a secret weapon in the sleeve, like just just when City maybe, don't. Maybe, maybe that's it. deliberate to make you know Pep kind of think. Over oh, we've got <laughs> to him, yeah. worry about this now. So yeah, send him into a know. 72 hour binge <laughs> of football tactics and coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but for United, huge performance. Charlton unlucky. I think they were applauded off the pitch by their yeah. fans. They did the club proud. Um, Man City Man United, damn, into the semi-final <laughs> and they will be playing Nottingham Forest. Um, I kind of think that means United are in the final. Sorry, mm, Forest fans. Yeah. But I hope I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong. Yes. Um, so, Adam, predict your final. I think it'll be Newcastle Man United. Yeah, I think that's probably, yeah. probably fair. Nice. We're going to leave the EFL Cup there for now. And we're going to go to our favourite competition that nobody else likes. Everybody else <laughs> ignores it. But we're going to talk about it. And we're going to start with... They're here, they're here, and they're beautiful, and they won. And we've got Adam <laughs> repping the other one in his partnership. We're going to start with Torino, and then beating mm, AC Milan one nil at the San Siro with ten men. What a performance! And I just have to say, the goalkeeper Milinkovic Savic had a great performance. Worst. Yeah. But also one of the luckiest performances of his career. I'm going to say there was a save where he tried to catch it and it bounced out of his arms and went off. over the crossbar. I was like, "Whoa!" And he he tried to look at his defenders like, "No, calm, calm, it's calm, it's calm." Yeah, I was exactly. Like, man, that is one hell of a poker face. That is one hell of a poker face. Um, what did you make of Torino? We'll get on to the goal scorer because that is incredible. As yeah. Well. But what did you make of the performance? I think Urich played it perfectly because, you know, especially with the lineup Milan had, it wasn't like a poor Milan no, squad, was no, it, no, by no, no. any stretch of a match? Not like the Inter team that we'll talk about shortly, um, but certainly from a Milan perspective, I mean, it's, I think it's more joyous to see AC Milan fans, their reaction after this, because they were ripping it out of Inter fans for that performance against Parma. And then they had egg on their face as well. So, you know, it's just mm -hmm. classic, classic Milanistas, right, as they call them. Um, but yeah, more back to this match. And Torino just had a game plan. It was unfortunate about Gigi and his sending off. Now, I kind of see it from both angles as well. But it's high foot. It's that, high was, a foot. Wild tackle. Wild that tackle. was a wild tackle. It was. But yeah, by the letter of law, he has to go. Um, puts more pressure. But even at that point, it didn't seem to reduce the chances that were going for you know Torino's favour. Because if you think about it, Sasa Ilic or Lukic even had a really good opportunity to put it past Tatarasano in the first half. If he takes that chance that changes the complexity of the game as well. So maybe there would have been a bit more strain on Torino. But in the circumstance, because they were down to 10 men and they had to just 
counter-attack and using their pacier players. It works in their favour. I think just Milan seems to be running out of steam at the moment. And I don't know about you, we, we've kind of reflected on purely, obviously there were, I don't know, I felt like he threw it away against um, Roma on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Again, this match feels like he just, he's not getting any luck or rub of the green at the moment. But then it also depends on his players, right, at the end of the day. so I, th- I, I think there's only so much he can do. And a lot of this is like the, the, the Milan players did look like gutted at the end. Mm. They genuinely looked like at, like they really were annoyed. They wanted to win this. They want to win these. They want to win every trophy, obviously. I feel like they really kind of let themselves down, especially against 10 men. They didn't step up the intensity. Mm. They didn't put... They put Torino under pressure, but Torino never really looked like they were panicking apart from the save we talked about before. Um, They never really looked in danger. Um, And I think that has to come down to like, yeah, the urgency of the players. It has to come down Mm. to the decisiveness. Like Pioli can bring players on and off and tell players to do things, but if they're not going to put in the graft on the pitch, then it's kind of out of his hands. I don't think this really this this result lies at Pioli's door. I think it's kind of the players on the pitch. I think he the team out there was more than good enough to beat Torino yes. with 10 men. More than good enough. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't matter. Torino have won. And the best thing in the 114th minute, the player who scored is called Adopo. In Italian, yeah. Adopo is see you later. So you can see <laughs> yes. all the jokes that have been going. 114th minute. See you later. Um, <laughs> but him, um, Adopo, and the player who's who assisted him, Bayeye, they were both yeah. playing in Serie C last season. So it's Brian amazing. Bayeye was on loan at Catanzaro, and he was on loan at AC Car- uh, Carpi before that. Um, mm. So he's been in Serie B. And Adopo was in Viterbese in Serie C as well. So these are two players that kind of Juric rolled the dice and brought them on mm. and was like, right, let's get a bit of like pace, a bit of energy into this team. And they've provided Torino fans with a result they are never going to forget. It puts them into the quarterfinals, I want to say. Yes, yes, into the quarterfinals. Um, This tournament still has quite a way to go. But um, I think Torino could have an an outside shout at this and should kind of be prioritizing this they look mm. fairly safe in the te- in the in the league so at the moment i'm just going to double check uh, at the moment they're 10th on 23 points remember that the teams in 18th are currently on nine points so turin uh, torino are definitely safe they're not really within touching distance of the european spots so for them the cup they should be putting all their eggs in this basket really and being like when it comes to the quarterfinals semifinals mm. really go for it because i think for torino to win something would be Amazing. Amazing. I would love yeah. to see Torino fans have a day in Turin where they can celebrate and it's not a black and white party, right? Get exactly. Get the target on the shirt. Get the target on the shirt. That's what you want. Um, yep. But seeming as you've pointed to that, we're going to move on quickly. And in the San Siro, the night before, oh. the night before yes. was Palmer against Inter. And I have a theory Tom Brady and Gigi Buffon have the same doctor or they have the same (laughs) genes. Time does not seem to affect these people. They are both 44, 45 years old. I think they're roughly the same age. Buffon pulled off a save at the end of the game. Incredible. That was incredible. Believable. Like, honestly, I don't know if 
like uh, eight out of 20 goalkeepers in Serie A are making that save, maybe even more. Probably, that is an yeah. incredible save. And when you think about him being 44, nearly 45, time just does not affect that man. But Palmer, tell us about him. Great goal. Some yeah. really nice football. Really took into to task. The man that comes on and scores that wonder goal, Urich, um, just incredible. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't know about you. I saw some of the like game and like I was just like complex. I couldn't believe that what was I seeing, you know, because mm-hmm. Inter Milan, it wasn't like, again, they had a bad squads that they had. You no. know, you had the Rye at the back. You had Aslani in the middle with Mkhitaryan. You know, they had their players in there, so it wasn't really a bad side. Even Onana had to keep them out yeah, or yeah, yeah, yeah. at least defend any opportunities because Bet- uh, Benetic, who is a Polish player, played for Parma. He also had a really good opportunity mm-hmm. to make it 2-0 yeah, yeah. at that point. Um, so, yeah, it was incredible. Parma just had confidence after that goal. And even the one of the wingers, Kamara, again, he's a player that was playing Serie D, uh, Serie D there or whatever. He was mm-hmm. playing really incredibly well for them. He took on like the likes of Dumfries very easily, got onto the bylines, you know, getting crosses in. You know, Palmer just looked like an incredible side again. And I'd mm-hmm. love to see them back in the big time because, you know, based on this performance, and they've got a really talented squad at the moment because mm-hmm. they've, I've, um, in our little series on YouTube, I've been uh, highlighting the defender Lautaro Valenti at the back as well. Yes. He played more on the left hand side for this match. But again, he's a really interesting player. Um, and yeah, like you say, Buffon, just to cap it all off. I mean, his performance alone helps that kind of game go into extra time. Um, but yeah, Inter had to bring the big guns off the bench, didn't they? So Martinez and then Acherby, kind of fortunate, I suppose. Um, for some reason, Buffon decides to punch what is a cross from DeMarco. And yeah. it kind of goes to Acherby. He heads it. It kind of loops over Buffon because Buffon's off his line. And that's it. That kind of concludes it. So into our through made it a bit more squeaky bum time for themselves, but they are through at least. That's the one thing into Milan fans will be at least happy with. They're not really happy. It has to be said. Their performances have been a bit poor of late, but yeah, Palmer, great to see them back and playing well. I think that's the thing because last yeah. time they were in Serie A, they were terrible. Oh, they were atrocious. Yeah, yeah, they were genuinely atrocious. Um, they've also two players that we've had a um the Romanian uh, journalist who came on was telling us yes. about Mihaila and Dennis Mann, who are two very good young Romanian players there mm. who have um, been doing quite well for Palmer as well. So two names to keep an eye out on as well. Yes. Um, so the team still left in the Coppa Italia. You know, this competition is, I don't know when the other games are taking place. They just kind of randomly pick. At the so, moment, yeah. uh, Roma Genoa is 1-0 to Roma um, and Dybala has scored. Woo! Ooh, um, okay. But so far, the quarter finals are going to be Fiorentino against Torino is decided. Um, Inter will play the winner of Atalanta Spezia and the winner of Roma Genoa will play the winner of Napoli Cremonese and then we also have Lazio Bologna and Juventus Monza. So still quite a way to go in the Coppa Italia until we get to the final but we are going to take you the whole way. We're going to talk about all the games. This is our commitment to you. We are going to actually cover the Coppa Italia and try and keep track of it. I'm sorry, but they decide to put it on at three o'clock kickoffs on a Thursday when I'm at work. <laughs> so it's quite hard, to Ridiculous. Keep on, quite hard to keep on track of, but we will keep on track of it. A very quick update. 
Um, Koulibaly has scored to make it 1-1, but on his debut, Raul Felix has been sent off. <laughs> what a start. What I can't wait to see what that was for. Um, good. So we are going to go to... No, that's it. We're done. We've done the cups. We've we are going to yes. take a break. Guys, can you see how well planned this episode is? <laughs> um, we're going to take a very quick break and we're going to come back with our weekend previews of Serie A and the Premier League. See you there. Here we go. Maybe I should have saved that for the transfer roundup that bit, but we're going to do it for <laughs> the Premier League and Serie A review. We're going to start with Serie A because listeners and viewers, um, even though the North London derby is like here in my head at the moment, there's one game I'm slightly more excited about, maybe. And we talked, I'm definitely going to enjoy it more than watching the North London derby, <laughs> but we talked about it on Monday and it is, of course... Juventus taking on Napoli. It is happening today as you are speaking, watching. Um, I love that Serie A put this on on a Friday night. It feels proper box yeah. office. It's a really genuinely good planning for once from the, from, um, <laughs> the FIGC. It doesn't happen often. This right. is going to be huge. Now, I was taking a bit of a look at their head-to-heads and how kind of... Because I think I've been saying a lot that like Napoli's record against Juve is terrible and psychologically mm. is a huge chip on their shoulder. And I was looking and I was like, right, let's actually study this. Now, Juventus haven't won in their last four visits to the now uh, Stadio Diego Armando Maradona. Mm-hmm. Um, Spalletti, though, um, his record against Juve is pretty terrible. He's only... So he's played 29 games against them. He's won three, drawn six, and lost 20. Now, you have to remember, he was also in charge of Empoli for a while, so it's kind of skewed a little bit, but he has also managed Inter. Um, he's only won... He beat them once with Napoli, which was last season. They um, won 2-1 at home, goals from Politano and Koulibaly, and he beat them twice with Roma. Last year, they drew one all in Turin. Chiesa and Mertens getting the goals. So the record's been a bit better than I expected. Juve last won in Naples in 2019. And for context of how long ago that was, the goal scorers in this game are Emre Chan, Pjanic and Callejon. Three oh, players God. I think I haven't heard <laughs> of since. <laughs> like, since that game. So that was the last time Juventus won in Naples. Um, and even that game... Napoli had 21 shots to Juve's six. <laughs> Napoli had 64% possession and Juve had 37%. So even then, they were playing this suffer ball that we're all mm. having to be exposed to. But where Spalletti's record isn't that great, Allegri's is better. So he's mm. won 11, drawn seven, and lost 11 against Napoli. So he's won as many as he's lost against the Patanope, but it, I think it's more even than I thought in my head. Basically, that's kind of what I'm trying to say. It's more even than I than I assumed. Um, for this game, Juve are still without Vlavic, Quadrado, Bonucci, and the yes. Shilion. Some of them will be bigger misses than others, I imagine. <laughs> yeah. But, but um, yeah, how do you see this game? Do you think it's more even than we've been kind of saying? Or I think do you it's... think this is... <sighs> 
Yeah, I, I, th- I think it's going to be an even and maybe a game of cancellation of each other. Mm-hmm. I, we know what to expect from Juventus, right? We we expect them yeah. to put 11 men behind the ball and just defend to get a The first half is going to be terrible of this game, guys, by I the think, way. Yeah, <laughs> just brace yourself. Just brace yourself. Yeah. We, whatever we kind of talk and say, yeah, it could be a good game, just go the opposite way and kind of brace yourself. Because, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I, I, I think... For all the will, Napoli will try and break them down. Mm-hmm. Though, however, I will, I will kind of say that, and I think it will be down to the tactics that maybe Allegri decides to deploy. Does he go with a four at the back, or does he go with a three in defence mm-hmm. with wing backs? I think he's likely to go with a back five. If I'd be brutally yeah. honest, yeah, and yeah, yeah. given or bearing in mind that there's probably going to be a three in midfield for Napoli, I think he'll put a three that will potentially just counteract it. So mm-hmm. you might see a more defensive midfield. There's rumours that Fagioli might be coming off the bench for this match, for example. Okay. So, you know, expect maybe the second half to be more interesting. But I think the key here, Rory, will be who scores first. I yes, think it will huge, go down huge. to that. So yeah. if, for example, Juventus somehow shithouse themselves to a goal, then I suspect it'll be an onslaught from Napoli. But vice versa, could Spalletti spring the surprise on Allegri by scoring a goal and then setting up to defend? That could be the interesting mm-hmm. dynamic here that they use it to counterattack them. So potentially, again, does he kind of roll the dice and go for more of a defensive kind of like counter-attacking side, you know. So I'm thinking Elmas has been in very fantastic, good form. Yeah. Does he maybe sacrifice Farad Skelia? I mean, dare I say it, you know. I mean, that's a very big call. That would be a bold call. Given, that would be a bold given call. Given his form so far in the last mm-hmm. few games, he hasn't been fantastic. And no. do you know what? Maybe Allegri will look at that and kind of go, look at what Inter did. Would he do something similar? I could see him doing exactly the same. So in Spalletti's head, maybe he kind of tries to mix it up, you know, go for someone like uh, Raspadori and Osman in that attacking lineup and then have that front three that would normally go, but drop that into midfield just to counteract it potentially. I mean, yeah. Uh, What about you? Where do you think it's going to go? Because, I mean, there's a lot of battles on the pitch as well, right? There's a lot of Mm -hmm. like little kind of one-to-ones, right? Well, this is it. Exactly. I think the midfield is going to be really fascinating because we've seen a player like Lobotka who's been unbelievable at kind of dictating the play and dictating kind of everything that Napoli do Mm. kind of starts and goes through him. And I think if Juventus decide to go for that kind of ball-breaker midfield kind of players that are just going to disrupt play, then that could really really, really kind of hinder uh, Napoli. But what I think it is, is it's going to be, it's just going to be on the transition as it always is with Juve. If Chiesa is now, I don't know Mm. if he's going to start or if he's going to come off the bench and I don't know which one is better for Napoli. (laughs) I don't know if it's better for him to start and just tire himself out and he goes off at the 60th minute having done not Mm. a lot. Or if it's, terrifying that he comes on in the 70th minute and you're like oh crap we've got to deal with him exactly so i think either way he's going to be a danger and i think he is the player that as much as juve are going to be thinking of a plan for kvara napoli need to be thinking of a plan for chiesa because anything juve do attacking wise is gonna come through him um also we've talked about milik (laughs) it's kind of written that he's gonna (laughs) have a moment in this game i think napoli need to not think about him too much just don't yeah. don't think about him too much because I like I just 
I, I feel like there's a we've talked about there's enough psychological drama going on here. I exactly, think throwing yeah. Milik in could just distract them. But um, yeah, I think it's all about how Napoli deal with the transition and with their wing backs so often getting so far forward, we like they need to make sure that they're able to get back again because <laughs> Juve are bloody quick on the break and that's what they do. They break and they score. When they go mm. forward, they tend to score. Like they don't have many yeah. shots, they don't have many attacks, but they don't concede and they score one a game. So it's like I think it's just all about how Napoli deal with the transition. It's going to be a fascinating game, even if it's not entertaining. Um, mm. Just seeing how the managers deal with it because we are looking at two of as much as we might not enjoy Allegri's tactics we're looking at two of the finer tacticians in the league I think between Spalletti and Allegri yeah. like two managers who tactically are very good um so I think it'll be an interesting battle it'll be an interesting battle I yeah well listeners you know who we want to win we've been fairly obvious <laughs> with it throughout um I just hope Osman scores I just really hope Osman scores and as many Napoli players score as possible because my Fanta Calcio team is like roughly 90% Napoli players at this point. <laughs> um so it will be a great game Friday night Friday night lights in Naples holy hell it's going to be incredible that atmosphere is going to be amazing um but I think we're going to leave it there for that game and so, we're going to yeah. move on to the other games in this league um and next, we're going to talk about. I think I'm going to go for Milan Lecce because I've got a bold, Whoa. I've got a bold yeah. prediction, and I'm going to throw in a little bit of Napoli chat there as well. As Fulham have just gone two one up, and that's not why I'm saying this, <laughs> but I had a bold prediction this weekend. I think this weekend is going to be where we get all the upsets, right? So I think Fulham are going to win. I think Napoli are going to win. I think Arsenal are going to win. God damn it, that's going to bite me in the ass. I think United are going to win. And I think the upset in Serie A this, this weekend is going to be Lecce beat Milan. I think it's going to wow. be a 1-0. I'm going to put Strefezza as the goal scorer. Oh, okay. Um, and I think they're going to be the five results this weekend. We'll see how it goes. But this game, I've got a real feeling. We've talked about Milan and how they've been wobbling, how they've... Well, they've been wobbling. And Lecce have been really, really good at home. They've been very hard to beat. And I can see them... I got flashes of you. Remember when Milan did they draw to Benevento for that goalkeeper, or they lost to Benevento with the goalkeeper in the yeah, last minute? Yeah, I remember that. Seasons yeah. ago, maybe it's the yellow and orange strips. It just reminded me, but I kind of had a <laughs> feeling about this game. I was like, "Oh yeah, I think Lecce can do that." Like you've been enjoying Lecce this season. How do you see this game oh, going? I love it, and I think the other element is that pitch. <laughs> I allude yeah, back yeah, to yeah, the potato pitch because that's a nightmare. But th that's the element of you're going down south. You know, Milan not in great form. They need to grind out a result. And I, I think they will struggle. Like you say, I think they will struggle. I, You know, Lecce have been in good form. The fact that they are mid-table and nowhere near kind of struggling near the bottom, I think that really helps their case. And they've been really interesting to watch this season. Um, I've been most impressed by Colombo as well. Up top, he's on mm -hmm. loan, for example. So again, a player, I don't think he will play though, because if I believe it right, he's obviously on loan for Milan. I might, yes. might be wrong. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah so yeah. potentially he might be missing for this match. But um, yeah, that said, they've still got some quality players in that side. Um, 
and yeah, Bruschetto in that middle of the park as well will be quite big. Um, be interesting to see if Mtiti could get a run of games as well because he's been playing quite good recently for them. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it'd be good for him to continue that. Um, you've got Valdemir Falcon in goal who is critical. He's I, he's a goalkeeper that I really rate. Uh, can't believe Sampdoria let him go. But yeah, again, another player that could do really well on the day and they probably will have to rely on him because the firepower that AC Milan do have, that would be really critical. But Tonali is missing for this match. So it'll be mm-hmm. very interesting to see what combination they play in midfield. The Ketelaer, we haven't mentioned him in the midweek game, but again, he was on. He hasn't been really doing much. He was unlucky in the midweek match against Torino, but by all accounts, second half, he just weighs off by the side. He doesn't seem to, once a few misses go by, he seems to get a confidence issue at the moment. Mm. So he's a player that I think could benefit from just a loan spell. Just go out to another Serie A club, I think, just build a, you know, Torino. For example, yeah, could yeah, be yeah. a good, yeah. good shout. But yeah, I, I t- totally back you on this. I think Lecce could get a result. Um, I, I would say a draw just because I'm going draws all at the moment for the whole weekend. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, why not? Why not? Why, I think, not? why not? The thing is, I need to keep my voice down when I'm predicting Lecce wins because my baddie girlfriend is going to be very angry if I'm predicting that they're getting three points. <laughs> so I do need to keep my voice down. Um, but elsewhere uh, this weekend, we do... The other game that kind of piqued my interest, wet the appetite, was Roma taking on Fiorentina. Now, we've talked about Fiorentina. Mm. They've just beaten Sampdoria 1-0 in the Coppa Italia. Starting to get a bit of form together. I think before the break, they weren't doing particularly well, but now they're starting to get a bit of form. They've won two, drawn one, beaten Samp in the Coppa Italia. Barak gets the goal, pod favourite. And I think this is a game where Fiorentina could definitely spring a surprise, and we know that Roma have kind of flattered to deceive a little bit. Um, Roma are now unbeaten in five in Serie A. Their last loss was uh, the one they lost in the derby against Lazio. So they're kind of quietly getting a bit of form together, but they're not mm-hmm. really impressing, are they? They're not. They're not. I think there was a lot kind of hype around Lukijovic and what he could do for this squad. Um, there's a number of rumoured departures. Whether that happens this weekend or next is going to be interesting because Gonzalez, who on last game week scored, he's rumoured mm-hmm. to be in Leicester, apparently signing new agreement to transfer down there, which is very odd. Um, but then we've got our favourite Amrabat from the World Cup as well, rumoured to be going to, well, he's kind of instigated that he wants to sign for Atletico Madrid. So apparently the two clubs are clashing over the amounts and as you can imagine Atletico Madrid don't have a lot of money until Xiao Felix decides to give us more money I know (laughs) it's just mental Um, but yeah I mean this will be an interesting kind of matchup because both sides come off you know some good results Mm -hmm. you know obviously Roma as it currently stands are beating Genoa but obviously that result against AC Milan helps them out gives them a bit of Mm -hmm. confidence going into this it's a draw that feels like a win yeah, yeah, exactly. It was more than just a draw for Roma, mm-hmm. especially the way yeah. they play, right? So from that point of view, I think, yeah, I just, I feel for your Fiorentina to just don't have anything offensively, like yeah, not as strong, struggle. like they do struggle. 
And, and Cabral is out this game and he's kind of started mm. to become a bit of their focal point, started to get a few goals. Like came over from Basel and was like slow, took a while to get used yeah. to the league and it kind of feels like he's starting to get ready in Serie A, starting to hit his stride. He will be missing this game. So it'll be interesting to see. I think, I just think it's a nice, it'll be a nice game to watch. It'll be yeah. a nice game to watch and either team could win. I wouldn't be surprised whoever I, I wouldn't whoever be surprised, Rory, if there's goals in this one. I, yeah. I could oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. see yeah. a lot of goals yeah. in this one. So it could yeah. be a free 2 win for someone here. So nice. yeah, for that point of view, watch it on Sunday. We hope so. And the final game we're going to talk about in Serie A this weekend is going to be, or well, kind of set, penultimate game we're going to talk about <laughs> in this Serie A is Atalanta against Salernitana. Now, Atalanta having a bit of a tricky time of it. Um, well, they were. They lost four games in a row before Christmas. Um, yeah, they were a terrible run. And yeah. they were re- three games in a row, sorry, before Christmas. They've now drawn and won two, so they're starting to get a bit of form. The player who's coming in for them, Hoyland, 19 years old, mm. um, come in from Sturm Graz, where he got 12 goals in 21 games. He yes. now has three goals and an assist for Atalanta. He scored in their last two games, and he feels like another gem that they've found. So is... Hoyland, someone should be keeping an eye out on for this game. But Salernitana, are they capable of giving Atalanta a tricky day at the office? Oh, of course they can. Um, with their new goalkeeper, David Okoa as well, who uh, oh, we, we didn't talk about him on the last episode, but he's come in. He's a made some fantastic in saves as well. Yeah. He's made yeah, some yeah, yeah. really critical saves. Um, so, yeah, Salernitana, I think it's the other end. You know, they've got Sally Dial and they've got Piontek, Pistolera. Woo! When yeah. you've got him in form, who knows what could happen. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely an interesting matchup because, as you say, Highland, who is kind of talked up as the Danish equivalent of Haaland because of his height <laughs> and the fact that he can score as many goals as Haaland. He's got a good record anyway for the time being. But yeah, I mean, it sounds like he, he's another player that took a little while to adjust mm-hmm. to Serie A because I think there's a few clips of him when he's been brought off the bench and he's just mm-hmm. getting frustrated with himself or, you know, just getting frustrated with the way they're playing. And I think... You know, Gasparini gets the best out of these type of players. He kind of sees a raw talent in them. You know, Adamella Luckman, who we've been talking about in the first half of this season, gone a bit quiet. Yeah, he's gone very you, quiet. You know, he's got quality on him again. Yeah. So, you know, it might just take a little few games, maybe just go. Who knows? So this could be another interesting matchup as well, right? I'm excited about this one. I do enjoy watching Salernitana, weirdly. It must be the sadist in me, but something about <laughs> me enjoys it. Um, and Adam, there was one game, one more game you wanted to talk about in Serie A because it leads into our transfer videos on YouTube. Which game yes. are we talking about? So we are talking about Torino versus Bezia. Now, obviously, with this one, you kind of go from the outside. Not an interesting matchup. Far <laughs> from it. Especially when you look at the teams and where they are placed. Torino probably arguably having a better season so far. You know, they're ninth, eighth, I think it is in the yeah, league yeah, at yeah. the moment. And Spezia currently still struggling near the bottom of that table. But they are fair distance off the other three, it has to be said. Um, but today, Rory, Spezia have confirmed the signing of Shimon Shurkovsky from Ooh. Fiorentina for the rest of the season. Nice. Interesting club because obviously they have got a bit of a 
like I alluded to in the past, there's a Polish contingent. There must be a really? Polish shop down there because yeah, <laughs> yeah. Dragowski's yeah. down there, Kivo's down there. You know, yeah. they've got a few youngsters that are loaned out to Serie B and D and G clubs. So, you know, they've got a few, you know, young players. There's also, like, believe it or not, there's some sort of Polish influence at the club as well. That is the reason why okay. a lot of the Polish cl- uh, players are coming across. But again, Szurkowski comes across. He is a very exciting player. The problem will be is what his match fitness will be. Is mm-hmm. it going to be like me on a Wednesday night where it was all over the place? Or can he add that bit of quality? And I think he's certainly a player that everyone should be looking at. Maybe at Fanti Calcio, add him in mm-hmm. if you haven't already done so because he could Our transfer windows few, coming up. Goals, um, few goals. This is yeah. the thing. So for a team like Spezia, they'll be reliant on someone to provide a bit more of the ammunition and he's not afraid to score from distance. So Really good player, but Rory, what about Very your thoughts on him? Nice. No, I I like Spezia as a club. Mm. I feel like they they really develop players, players like Giazzi there, and there's quite a few players that are kind of they will become a team where they sell a lot of players higher yeah. up the table. Basically, I think they're just a really good team. They're steady in the in Serie A at the moment, and they'll be able to develop. Like it'll be a good place to learn your football. They play nice football. Yeah, and I think yeah, I like them as a team. Uh, Torino. Always love for Torino. So I think, yeah, it might not be the headline shiny thing, but I think yeah. it'll be, there, there's a, there's enough players on the pitch there that will make it entertaining for sure. So we're going to leave the Serie A there for now, I think. Um, elsewhere, I'm going to very quickly go through the other fixtures just so we know. Um <clears throat> Down at the bottom, Cremonese is still looking for their first win. Can they get it at home against Monza? Maybe. Um, Sassuolo <laughs> hosts Lazio in the two teams that love to throw away Leeds derby. Um, we've got Udinese against Bologna, and we've got Empoli against Sampdoria on Monday night. Mm-hmm. Samp showing a bit of fight. Empoli, yeah, that could be an interesting one. That could be an interesting one. I think Sampdoria could maybe get a win there. Um, but that is Serie A for now. We're going to go across to the Premier League, um, and... The first game we're going to talk about, well, I'm going to let you decide because the North London derby is going to go last because I can't spend too much time on it. Yeah, I think we'll start off with the big game that does kick off and that is on Saturday and that is the Man United versus Man City derby. So for once, Man City fans are starting to get a bit nervy, especially off the back of that Southampton result. They need to get back to winning ways. Man United in good form for once. You know, they come into this with a lot of confidence. I think for once, Man United fans are probably looking forward to this match. And it's a shame we haven't got Andy on this one. But yeah, I think genuinely there is a high hopes for Man United to potentially get a result here. I mean, what do you think? Do you think it will be straightforward? Or do you think this is just a bit of a blur and Pep Guardiola just does a masterstroke and they win 6-1? Well, I'm going to very quickly say, listeners, either way, if United win or United lose, Andy is going to be on the pod. He's either going to choose to be on the pod (laughs) if United win, or I'm going to drag him onto the pod if United lose. He will be here on Monday because he's going to face it. But um, I think this is a weird one because United, they are in great form. Mm. They haven't played a good team in a while. I'm just going to put it out there. The teams that they've beaten have been teams that you would expect them to beat. Now, when Arsenal did that, I was saying, a win's a win, we'll take it, stop celebration police, blah, 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 blah. And I still completely agree with that. It is an incredible run they're on. 
but that doesn't stop the fact that this is a big test coming up. So I think this mm. is for Ten Hag and for United, this is the, okay, is this, like, have we turned a corner or has this just been a favourable run of a run of fixtures? Mm. And this is what we're going to see. If they beat City, then yeah, they have turned a corner. They're in great form. They are potentially, depending on how things goes in the title race again, like it could be that decisive. If they don't, it's uh, okay. The team isn't where we thought it was. City is still levels above. It was we've played well, mm. but we're not quite there yet. So I think it's that kind of test. Um, yeah. I think City, like if you look at United's recent form against City, it's actually not that great. Um, so the last three games, United have lost them all against City, mm. conceding twelve and scoring four. Um, like their record in this derby recently isn't good. So no. I think City are going to think, I think when City lose a game, generally they're very, very angry. And the yeah. next game they absolutely batter someone. Yeah. And I think I wouldn't want to play City after they've lost. Because <laughs> no, you just feel like they're going to come out and absolutely slap you about. So I think if the first 20 minutes of this game are going to be absolutely key. I think if United mm. concede in the first 20 minutes, it's game over. If United don't, and they're able to keep City kind of, not frustrated, but able to kind of impose their game on City, then we've got a game. But I think it, it's all about the first 20 minutes, because if City get a goal, I think then it's just game over, really. Don't know um, about you, but it seems written that McTominay is going to start, and he'll just do his typical rugby lunge. like tackles, Yeah, he'll just go... Bloody you know. suplexing players around the pitch <laughs> yeah. and not getting booked. Like, yeah, I don't know what it's. Yeah, he's definitely going to be there. And of course, the Fred free kick goal, which we talked about. The Fred free of kick course. goal is definitely coming. That's definitely coming. <laughs> um, but no, I think what's really annoying is uh, from an Arsenal fan, I really. Can both teams lose? Can we have that? I don't want United. <laughs> it's called winning. a draw, Rory. Yeah, it's called yeah, a draw. Well, that's, that's the one. That's the one. I don't want United winning and being like, we're in the title race. But I also don't want City to win because they're in the title race. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, it's complicated. Um, but yeah, it should be a very good game. Usually lots of goals in this, in this derby. Yes. Usually lots of goals. So it should be a banger. Um, another derby we have coming up on this weekend um, is. Forest against Leicester. Now, I'm yeah. just going to very quickly talk about this game because we've talked about the teams today already. Literally, in one sentence, Leicester need to get a win here. <laughs> yeah, they, they just need to, don't they? But they're facing Forest, who you just <laughs> like, can see it written. It's going to be 1-0 win to Forest, yeah. like 90 plus fourth minute or something like that. Um, so, yeah, I... It's going to be very interesting because the first matchup between the two, it was a demolition of Forest yeah, at the four time. Nil. There was really poor performance by Forest. Yeah. They were really low on confidence. This was at the time when Steve Cooper, for the media, should have been like like sacks off. But for the club, they were very keen to just keep at it and maintain it. And, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're starting to bear the fruits of that. So, mm -hmm. But as you nicely alluded to, Leicester have been really poor. That midweek yeah. game against Newcastle was terrible, so they need a victory. Yeah, this is huge. It could be a huge kind of like hang your hat on it moment. Um, mm. Elsewhere, we're going to very quickly do Brighton versus Liverpool. Last time it was 3-3 and it was De Zerbi's first game in English football and we got our first glimpse 
of the roller coaster that is the Zerbi ball in England. Um, it's fair to say that he's kind of settled in now. Um, Brighton mm. have scored 14 goals in their last four <laughs> games. They've won three and only lost one to the mighty Arsenal. Um, so they are definitely in form. He's clicking it like they are playing his football. They're exciting. They are attacking. They are hard to handle. And they're against a Liverpool that can't keep a clean sheet. How do we see this one going? I think this could be a, another victory for Brighton. I couldn't genuinely mm-hmm. see it. I think no. the form that Liverpool are in right now, I just think whilst they've got that home advantage and it seems to be like they're clicking at the moment, Brighton seems to be really purring at the moment. So I just think this window is going to be very interesting to see if Zerbi can just get one or two players just to add to that little mix that is going on. And then you could be seeing even more delights from this Brighton side. I think Brighton fans are very... I think confident about what they're doing yeah. right now. Like they feel a bit more like there was a spell where they weren't too sure about Deserby. Now they're being won over. Yeah. So it's yeah, quite yeah. nice the that they're actually you know, just yeah. fantastic. And what I want, and I don't know if it happened, but I would really love to see Brighton by Berardi and they can oh. re, they can they can reunite Deserby and Berardi <laughs> and get Berardi in the Premier League. Yes, bloody please. That's what I want. Um but Brighton Liverpool, we're both going for a Brighton win. I think that uh, Moda mm. and Trossard are both injured for this. Van Dyke is out for Liverpool, um, Ooh, as is Firmino, yeah. Diaz still, and Jota is still out. Down at the bottom of the table, now two teams <laughs> whose fans would not have anticipated them being in a relegation battle. Well, maybe. No, I'm maybe not sure. One of them. <laughs> maybe one of them. Maybe one set of fans wouldn't have anticipated it. One set of fans definitely would. We're talking about Everton versus Southampton. This is an absolutely massive game. <laughs> so in the table, let me check. Everton are currently 18th on 15 points. Southampton are currently bottom on 12 points, having lost all of their last five. Everton getting one point in their last five games. God, it is grim down there. Um. <laughs> Uh, this game is going to be an absolute scrap, but I just want to talk about Everton fans because my favourite thing on Twitter is Everton fans because nobody <laughs> slags off Everton more than Everton fans. <laughs> there was a great video of Nathan Jones where he's talking post um, the Man City win and he's like, um, oh, <clears throat> I'm going to be up till three in the morning watching Everton and just an Everton fan retweeted it with like, Christ alive, <laughs> enough to kill anyone off. And I just love how much they hate their own team. Um, it is genuinely grim reading, though, for Everton. I was looking at their form, and they last won. Now, I had to double-check this. They last won in oh, October. God. That's so a long time ago. Their last win in the Premier League was a 3-0 Jesus. win against Palace in October. They've conceded 10 goals in their last four games, but they've they've scored in every game. They just can't stop conceding. Um, Southampton, as we said, have now won their last two in the FA Cup and Carabao Cup. Mm. but they've lost their last five games in the Premier League. Um, these are two teams, I don't know if there's going to be any quality here. I think it's <laughs> I think it's, it's going to be, I think Southampton are going to get it because they're just off the back of this Man City yeah. result. What do you think? I think so as well, Rory. I think this could be another nail in the coffin for Lampard. It's interesting though, the narrative around Lampard, because obviously there was a period of time where Everton fans were like, you know, stick with the project. He's playing yeah. attractive football. It's not his fault. He's inherited this squad. You look at it <laughs> now. now and you're like, yeah. it doesn't uh. look any better. And they were <laughs> saying how great it was to see Gerrard be sacked off at Villa. 
Well, do you know what? This is another mm. so-called top of his game kind of midfielder that just hasn't delivered as a coach. It's another manager. Gerald it's Lampard like debate. It is, isn't it? It's another one. Which one's the shittest man? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> shocking. But yeah, I mean, like you say, there is very funny memes, very funny comments from Everton fans. I saw one involving, oh, this is so bad, I should be calling Samaritans. And it says, try being an Everton fan, basically. <laughs> it's, it's like the, the, yeah, the the black humour they, they have to they have to have <laughs> is just, it just cheers me up. I'm sorry, Everton fans. I really, like, I really hope you stay up because it would be... Everton have never been relegated. I don't think it's fucking mad. No, they if they, yeah, if they got relegated, it would be genuinely like groundbreaking yeah. work from Lampard. And financially, but that I, could screw them over as yeah, well. That new stadium come in and everything is just I just I just really dislike Lampard and I want Lampard to do badly. So I'm sorry. Um, but <laughs> the last game on the Premier League is the last one we're gonna talk about <clears throat> is the North London Derby. Um now I was looking because we never win at the toilet bowl at the Armitage <laughs> Shanks Arena, we never win. So the last win for Arsenal at Spurs was in 2014, and oh, Thomas wow. Rosicky won scored the goal. That was the last time we won in the Premier League at Spurs. The last time we won was in the League Cup, and Matthew Flamini scored both the goals. So we do God. not win. Yeah, we don't win there. So I'm not no. going into this with any form of optimism. <laughs> of course Tottenham have been shite, but then the last two games, Harry Kane scored both and they beat Palace 4-0. Like, oh, we've seen this film before. Yeah, go. I've seen this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I know what happens next. Yeah, yeah, he scores a penalty against <laughs> us in the 20th minute. That's what happens. I know it. It's coming and it's not going to be a penalty like last year. Um, yeah, it's. I'm absolutely shitting myself. Um, on form... We should win this. We shouldn't be worried. Um, no. But we are. I think, again, this is another game that Tottenham have been crap in first halves. Mm. And typically, we've been very good in first halves. So I think it is absolutely vital for us to just like run at them first half. Yes. And just yeah, yeah. try and get... Because Tottenham do not score in the first half of games. They only score 70 minutes plus when Harry Kane wakes up. Mm. Like, I, I think it's absolutely vital for us to get the early goal, for us to get that first half absolutely bombard them and just get it done. Because if it goes into the second half and it's level, then I think we lose it. I, I just, oh God, I hate Derby weekend. Um, how do you see this game going? Well, this is it. I was just having a look at what players are off injured for Spurs. Mm -hmm. So there's some big names there. So Richarlison is one of them. Yeah. You've got Kulisevsky, who is the player that Spurs have been kind of touting mm -hmm. as the one inspiration that they are lacking at the moment. Well, in he, their they squad. rely on him. They rely they do. on this him. This is thing. Yeah. Bentancourt is going to be a doubt. I don't mm -hmm. think he's going to make it for this match. And I was just trying to have a look at Romero because obviously he was on the bench against mm -hmm. Portsmouth for the I league. I think he's going to be fit for this one. I think he didn't. He didn't obviously appear. Oh, he did appear. Sorry for against Crystal Palace. So, but I just think there's something in it about the back line for mm -hmm. Spurs that you know you can talk about the rest of the squad and say you know you've got a fairly decent matchup with Arsenal. However, it's that defensive line. So what Arsenal have to do is there is that kind of mentality of this is North London derby. It is different to any other game. 
But if they act a bit more professionally and just look at the kind of players they've got around them, so they can take advantage of the fact that they are weak in the middle. Mm-hmm. Lloris can flap at stuff. So again, yeah. there's going to be elements that I'm hoping, well, maybe from an Arsenal perspective, they are looking at is set pieces, get into kind of Larissa's area, but also just kind of just mix it up a bit. You know, they can play it, obviously. And I think there's going to be some obvious outlets. You know, Saka's going to be targeted. So Arsenal yeah. fans will be waiting for that yellow card to appear. Um, <laughs> one day it'll arrive. One, one well, it, day did, it, it happened against Oxford, but then it, obviously there was the betting scandal. So, yeah, and that was the irony. Yeah, that all, was the suspicious it? bit. That was the suspicious <laughs> yeah. bit. Someone got booked for tackling, for fouling Saka. That never happens. Exactly. Um, but yeah, and of all so things, many little all, elements. Yeah. Go on. And of all things, on. Arsenal got Arsenal FA. The FA have got a campaign against Arsenal at the minute. <laughs> We've been fined for not controlling our players. Have you seen what the clips? I've not. I can't understand what these because I've seen little like tweets on this. It's like e, relating to e regulation two madness. Honestly, I expect every team whoever has a player question a referee about a decision to get fined now. Because all it was was three or four players went up and went, that was a penalty. And then that was it. They didn't push him. They weren't all swamping him. That's twice in two games we've been fined for it now. And it's a bit like... And in the Mm. statement, they got the minute wrong and they quoted the wrong law, apparently. (laughs) Don't take on Arsenal Twitter. Don't take on Arsenal Twitter because they will expose you. (laughs) Apparently, it's the wrong law. Um, But yeah, the FA's campaign against us is a bit mad at the minute. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm shitting myself by this game. We'll see how it goes. Um, But in my prediction, I've said Arsenal are going to win it. So for me to, you know not have egg on my face we need to win now oh, sunday's gonna be horrible and i'm not drinking i can't have a beer what the hell's going <laughs> the hell am i gonna do i'm gonna to take up crack or something i don't know what i'm gonna do um but listeners we're gonna leave it there um we're gonna come back with a little bit of transfer gossip and our customary quote of the week we will see you in a minute hi i'm david wheeler and you're listening to the anglo-italian podcast here we go again, and it's time for the transfer roundup. We're going to talk a little bit of transfer business, and we've kind of teased a little one. The first one I'm going to talk about, Joao Felix confirmed at Chelsea. Um, yeah. He'll now be missing the next three games because he's been sent <laughs> off. What a signing. Uh, what do we make of this one? Terrible. Absolutely. It makes yeah, no sense at all. We spoke <laughs> about it on Monday night. I just I can't work out the logic. Yes, there is a good player in Joao Felix, it has to be said. You know, he hasn't been maybe utilised the best at Atletico Madrid. But then, you know, Simeone has a certain trait where he kind of looks at characteristics. And it feels like with Joao Felix, he doesn't have maybe the mentality. And it, it, it seems really harsh because, you know, he's come from Atletico Madrid, high expectations, etc. But... There is an element where I'm just I'm not impressed necessarily. I haven't seen what he actually adds, and I haven't seen it for Portugal either. So for me, it's just a weird signing because it's not what they need. But on that Chelsea mix as well, I don't know if you saw it, Rory, but Aubameyang has apparently contacted Barcelona and Xavi to <laughs> ask if there's any way he can come back. And again, Twitter's gone mad because um, today I saw Barcelona offering Pedri. Uh, Ansu Fati, as well as Rafinha, 
to leave the club already. And I don't know if you already saw it, but a lot has been reported in Italy about Francesi demanding yeah. to leave. And that sounds like a potential loan deal to one of the Milan clubs for at least till the end of the season. So it's all happening at Barcelona. That would be huge to get him back. That would be exactly. huge could get him back, honestly. It could be a huge boost as well, right? A Barcelona is just like a garage for footballers at the minute. It just feels like there's like a storage, you know, like those big storage things you get out in the countryside where you just pay a tenner a month or whatever. You just send a player there for a bit and then you can get it back when you fancy it. Like, you exactly. know, oh, we've not got room for this one anymore. Do you fancy taking it back? Yeah, I know. Yeah, we did give you 60 million. But you can have him for free. Like, it seems a bit mad. They're doing it with Depay now, Griezmann. Um, yeah, Rafinha, six months after buying him, after like... Yeah for months negotiating and battling off Chelsea and Arsenal and trying to push us up, you buy him and then you don't fucking want him. Barcelona are an absolute basket case of a club. (laughs) I really, really hope Aubameyang does go back um, because it's funny. Um, (laughs) I I, I think, I don't know, is it funnier him stinking up the place at Chelsea? It might be funnier that, to be fair. (laughs) But um, Yeah, I don't know. I, I would like to see him happy again. I like a smiling over. I'm, it's a shame it didn't work out at Arsenal and he's a lazy prick, but I would like to see him <laughs> smiling again. It, it, I think the one that blew my mind with Barcelona is offering out Ansu Fati is mental. Yeah. That's yeah. fucking mental. They tied him to a new contract and in his clause was something about $4 billion to release him out of that clause <laughs> because they learned that mistake with Neymar. And yeah, yet yeah. The, there's these rumours of him potentially being offered to kind of essentially balance the books it sounds like because apparently um barcelona as a result of Bamming's call whether you believe it or not they've are or contacted la liga to see what kind of ways they we... could offer because obviously as part of the whole piece around they have to comply by the wage structure etc they obviously there's a certain structure of payments that they can offer so potentially it could be that his wages are built up of a basic wage and then maybe some bonus mm-hmm. contractual yeah. bits which might help him so i.e they win the title or a title of some sort yeah, he yeah, gets yeah. x amount which might cover him and it's not like Aubameyang needs the money anyway to be fair no like, but none of them do do they no, but I think, like, I mean, uh, now might be the perfect time to go in and bid for Frankie de Jong now, yes. like, like, like United have to be looking at. I know they don't want to spend. Actually, no, fuck United. Arsenal owners, can you please listen to this and just bid for Frankie de Jong, please? Like, Barcelona are desperate to get wages off their books. He's one of the best midfielders on the planet. Someone has to come in and bid for him now if Barcelona are desperate to get rid of players off their wage mm. off their wage structure. If Honestly, I was talking to the missus about it this weekend and because I bore her to death with football chat. <laughs> She's a lucky lady. And we were talking about Barcelona. And I was like, honestly... I run my football manager clubs better than their owners oh, run yeah. the club. Oh, yeah, 100 times like, better. And she was like, you're always going on about football manager and how good you are at it, because I am always going on about it. But I'm like, <laughs> it, like, I genuinely, they're fucking terrible. It's like they're yeah. Real Madrid fans that have been employed to fuck up Barcelona. Like, it's mental what is going on there. We'll see who leaves and who goes. I would like to see Frank Kessier back in Serie A. It would be good to see him back on a football pitch. The guy's incredible. It feels like he's barely played for mm. Barcelona. Um, yeah, madness. Madness. Any other mm. transfers we wanted to talk about? I think a lot of it is going to be Barcelona-based. Yeah. Um, I wanted to quickly say Emery using his Spanish links to bring in Alex Moreno from 
Betis um, as a left wing back. Very, very good little bit of business mm. there. There's rumours that they could be going in for Matteo Guendouzi. Emery and Guendouzi is a proper little bromance. It'd be really good to see them yeah. um, uh, hooking up again. Not like that. Um, I like Guendouzi. <laughs> if you can keep him calm, he's a hell of a player. So I think that could genuinely be an exciting one for Villa. Um, any other deals you wanted to talk about? So I'll talk a few ones that I caught my eye, should we say. So Man United obviously have Jack Butland on loan from Crystal Palace, which kind of blew my mind. I, yeah, I forgot that he was still knocking about. Um, yeah, that, so that yeah. was incredible. Uh, Anthony Knockard, he was recalled from his loan. He's now on loan at Huddersfield, of all places. So yeah, yeah. his career's gone downhill. Um, but the main one I think I wanted to allude to is Harry Kane. So I don't know if you've seen the, the information about this. <laughs> yeah. So he won't sign a contract until Conte signs a contract. Conte will not <laughs> sign a contract until Kane signs a contract. So what we're saying here is Conte's leaving in the summer. Kane's going to run out the last 12 months or be sold in this January or summer window, shall we say, because... Mm. You know, Spurs can't really afford to let him they've go. Both, like, they've they both like they have both sat in a room and done a grubby little deal, and they've gone <laughs> right. I'll say I need you to stay, and you say you need me to stay, <laughs> yeah. and then just neither of us stay. And it's <laughs> exactly. technically not our fault because it's kind of your fault. It's kind of my fault, but exactly. it's not. Yeah. Um, and we can blame that bald bloke upstairs because they all hate him <laughs> anyway. Like, so I, I feel like, oh, that would be. Oh, that would be like Christmas. I just hope that Harry Kane um, leaves England. I don't want him at United because he'd actually yeah. do really well at United. And I don't that's want him a little City. spin-off, isn't it, at the moment? Yeah. There's rumours of Real Madrid, Bayern Munich. Or Bayern Munich sooner. is one that I have said for mm. years, I've been like, him at Bayern Munich would be an absolute game changer. I feel like he would honestly hit new levels at that club. I yeah. think... Just the, the style they have. They've always had that big target Suits man. Suits his style. Yeah, Suits and they've style. always got the best out of that type of player. He would get mm. a genuine chance of winning the Champions yeah. League. He'd get some trophies. I feel like, honestly, it would step his game up to a whole level we've not seen yet. Yeah. Um, Even if so it's I think two Bayern seasons, would be a great something like yeah. that, it would be brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Because the other name that's kind of Serie A-based is Vlavic to Bayern Munich because... Oof. Yeah, there is similar reasons. Yeah. Very similar. Apparently, he's yeah. not very comfortable with Allegri ball. No. who is um but yeah <laughs> none of us are none of us yeah. are um but yeah there's that and then on the Juve theme we've got Rabio as well um mm-hmm. apparently you know he could go in the summer on a free transfer mm-hmm. Juve want to obviously tie him down to contracts and yeah they've offered 7 million apparently that's not enough for mama Rabio mama Rabio uh, mama, mama wants 10 million a season apparently so um yeah i think that's where the clash is going to happen between them two uh, i don't think it's going to happen i think he's going to go on no. free or someone's going to snap him up on transfer deadline day itself i think mm-hmm. that's how far it's going to go and we've got to wait out to see Skriniar because Skriniar yeah. that is the, the deadline hasn't decision. passed yet it's not passed yet um it's we will see one. Where that one goes, we do also have to say Manchester United have signed signed Vout Veghorst, which is interesting. Um, It is (laughs) really interesting, that one. Um, I genuinely think he could do pretty well. I think think so as well. well. I Um, think he adds a different dynamic to someone to come off the bench or play in certain matches, right? I think mm -hmm. that's the other one. No, exactly. I think it's a clever little bit of business, that. 
I think it's actually a clever little bit of business. So fair play, United. Before we um, close off, Napoli. So there's three big oof. signings. So obviously, I mentioned on Monday show, Bartosz Barazinski coming yep. in from a loan from Sampdoria. There's two names that I don't know if they've, you've seen this, but Onahi, obviously, mm-hmm. as I did Onahi, yep. very good tournament at the World Cup, obviously wants to leave. Napoli wants to make it a summer signing. He wants to obviously move now. now? There's yeah. some conversations apparently taking place to potentially make it a loan spell. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a bit messy there. The other one, though, interesting. I don't know if you've seen it. Walid Chadira to Napoli. Yeah, Barry fans are getting very, very angry. <laughs> Barry <laughs> fans are getting very angry because <laughs> all of Serie A are looking at Walid Khadira now and all the Barry fans are like, no, fuck off, you can take him in the summer, just not now, not now, not now. Like, this feels like for Barry, this season is like a real push and they're like, look, we'll sell you in July. Can you just <laughs> get us promoted first? Like, yeah. it's... I've started following following a few baddie accounts on our Twitter and they're also hilarious, but they are absolutely fuming at the fact that they could sell the best player they've had in decades um, yeah. in halfway through a season. Napoli apparently are looking at him. He was up in Milan. I saw on his Instagram, he was in Milan um, a week ago and he was kind yeah. of with various people on his stories. And I was like, this doesn't seem <laughs> Sounds positive. like he's talking to agents, doesn't <laughs> yeah. it? This doesn't seem positive for Barney. Uh, so yeah, a player who we could be keeping an eye on. God, please don't leave. Just stay until July, please. <laughs> um, but guys, we're going to leave it there for the transfer. We've overran massively today. So mm. bonus content for you guys. Uh, you're <laughs> welcome. Um, and with that, we are going to end with our customary quote but before we do as always please follow us on twitter at italian anglo pod on instagram at anglo italian pod follow us on tiktok um subscribe to us on youtube it's all anglo italian mm-hmm. pod um and keep an eye out on our social media still big announcements coming it is coming it is coming yes um adam anything to say before i do the customary quote no great pod as ever and i look forward to these weekend games so uh yes cannot wait for monday show that's for sure beautiful and the quote is from spalettone grande spalletti talking ahead of the game against juventus where he said allegri fits the juve motto that winning is all that matters Here in Naples, we're all about heart and soul. Maradona played here, won here, and in winning here, he showcased how beautiful football can be. We can't play our football without a nod to that aesthetic legacy. Have a good weekend, guys. Ciao, ciao. Podcast Network.